seconds is not nothing. We were all there. Yeah. Yeah. We were here. It's a fucking flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Once it lined up, we were all matching up. Think about it. It's a ribbon. Oh, my God. <laughs> What is this? You see, time is like this piece of paper, and when I fold it like this, the wormhole is like the pencil that goes through. I like the McConaughey yep. that's talking about time in True Detective. And he's the beer can. his points with beer cans. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and little cutout figures. Flamens in space time. Well, yeah, when I yeah. when I lived in New Mexico, I had an opportunity to try the the Lone Star beer, mm. and uh, the, I only tried it because of the novelty of True Detective. And so you could crush a can to. Explain. I did. It was a bottle, so that. Uh, well, shit. I mean, well. if you can flatten time like that, you should be able to do it to a bottle, TJ. Wow. <laughs> All right. What is? What are we doing? Boys. Oh, hey, hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna act to... like I have just seen. Just we just got on. Hey. How are oh, you? Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, we're we're all gathered here today for another episode of Never Seen Any of This. My name is Andy. I'm Sammy. I'm TJ. And I'm Raymond, the caboose. The caboose. The caboose. <laughs> See we need a, can we, we like, like a radio station, have in, like, put in a, like, boodle <laughs> notes or something like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that for the heavy caboose I've got? Is that <laughs> yeah. The, 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 I'm going to get a soundboard up and running that's just dump truck. Just, just backing up. Beep, just beep, the white beep, load. Beep, beep. <laughs> Just you wear it like armor, and they can never hurt you, Raymond. <laughs> I like a bee. I like them chunky. That's Raymond's theme song. Hell yeah! Oh, um, I like we that we're joined by uh, um, Spooky TJ today with his spooky. all lights oh, yeah, off the, in the background. Yeah, so, so, yeah, I went I went harsh lighting here. Yeah, uh, and try and bring the focus on me, yes. not the fact that I'm in a bunker basement <laughs> situation. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Um, cat. Just here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, you will be seeing Morty at some point during this. Because he'll get you frustrated. Will also and... be hearing him. He's very upset. Why is he upset? Because there's a window open and I'm not letting him get to it. Oh, <laughs> why? Why would you do such a thing? I don't know. You're a he's terrible father. Two, he's had two modes today, and they have been exactly sleep or well. Here you go. Oh, there he, there is. he is. Oh, there he is. Oh, he's there made it, it, made it onto the there podcast. Big dumb bastard, oh. come here. <laughs> he broke the camera. <laughs> God. Fucking damn it. No, uh, I got a bunch of new furniture in today. My boss got a new bedroom set and uh, so gave me her old one, which is like like what her dad bought when their, her parents got divorced back in like the late 70s. So it's oh, wow. almost like Jesus. hardwood. And nice. it's it's awesome, yeah. But uh, it's like a whole queen and nightstand and dresser and all this other stuff. Nice and so, light, like Odin. Well, <laughs> and uh, and Odin's just been going nuts. Like there's so much more space for him to crawl underneath, and it's like a much bigger leap for him to get up onto the bed. Yeah, he's he's just happier than a pig and shit. It's just great. I was gone all day yesterday because I had to clean up a tree off of my. Uh, family's cabin so i came home today and barb like wouldn't let me put her down <laughs> she's like you were gone for a day and now i'm with you the rest of the day <laughs> that's the thing they don't have any sense of time no they don't it's like, get it it's been 20 years <laughs> oh yeah uh so what what film did we all uh, indulge in this oh, particular oh, week? we we sure it indulged pick. it was andre's pick it was my pick, and I picked a movie that Sammy and I had already seen, but I knew mm-hmm. that 
Raymond and TJ had not seen it, even though Raymond's girlfriend insisted that I had, that seen, it. He had seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was what, a funny that was conspiracy a, we went through. That was funny. Yeah, that was the first debacle. And we tried to convince uh, you that you had seen it just to uh-huh. join in. Just to fuck just with gaslighting yeah. Raymond on movies he's I never saw seen. It. When you said, "Oh yeah, you bought me popcorn," I just like <laughs> I just shook my head and sat. <laughs> well, I was literally like, "What other movie could it have been?" That's why I was like, "I'm with her." Maybe he was there, and we just didn't know it. Like, what other uh, movie could you've seen in December? But then you, it was Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. And I was there for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have attested if we would have seen this instead of uh, that. Yeah, I yeah. think you would have remembered that yeah. little distinction. Yeah, I could remember some stuff. <laughs> because we uh, we watched Uncut Gems, boys. Yes, we did. You got yeah. your gems cut cut right up by <sighs> old, the old Sandman. I, I finished it maybe 15 minutes ago. Oh, wow. I finished oh, it like so 30 still, minutes ago. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still I'm still processing some things. Uh, you're still coming down off that high. What I've a crazy ending. About it. We'll get into it, but yeah. what a crazy ending. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely um, insane. This was one of my favorite movies of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's a hard movie to recommend to people because uh-huh. it's kind of a difficult movie to watch. But um, I think... It got completely snubbed by the Oscars mm-hmm. because even even if Parasite probably deserved to win most of those awards, yeah. I do think Parasite is the the better, better best movie. picture yeah. winner. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's kind of a, atrocious that this movie wasn't even in consideration. At least him it wasn't even did in not the conversation. get a nomination. Yeah, is yeah. great because I feel like it, what he does in the movie is just. I mean, everybody's really good in this movie, but he like specifically the scene where he is like crying like. When he doesn't know what to do anymore. Like, that scene right there, I'm like, why did he not at least get a nomination for his acting in this? I think he, when he tries, is really, really good. And I think that might be why he doesn't try very often. Because he very rarely gets the recognition that it usually deserves for the amount that he puts in. Yeah. But uh, we can get into all of that. I talked about this movie already on one of our catch-up episodes, right. and Sammy did too. So people know that I like this movie. And uh, but... yes, and I liked it too. I think I did say that I liked Good Time more, but watching this one again, I, I do really like this movie. This is a good movie. Yeah. But... So I, I think I'm interested to hear what uh, Raymond and TJ have to say about it. So yeah. let's 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 let the caboose go first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Caboose real, in the front. Real, real quick before uh, uh, we we get into it on on the point of like not being considered or whatever. Um, uh, before the thought it leaves my poor little yeah, THC yeah. soaked brain. Uh, <laughs> oh, bad choice soaked. for this. Soaked. <laughs> uh, I, I imagine it's kind of a more along the lines of like you know don't be a you lie down with dogs you get fleas kind of a thing with mm-hmm. Adam Sandler as far as like I don't think that anybody's particularly re- interested in the hierarchy and giving him a redemption arc yet you know like right. like Robert Downey Jr. got to redeem himself mm-hmm. and you know like Nicolas Cage has these moments like Mandy where he gets like a ton of buzz and critical success mm-hmm. you know that way but I don't think anybody cares to give Adam Sandler that because I think, I mean, as far as the public image has been concerned, the Happy Madison thing has been more than good for him. Like, he yes. likes, the, the thing you know, with, giving I, his friends paid vacations. Right, yeah. The thing you with know? this, he's I, I, unabashed about what he's doing. Like, he's never, right. yeah. he's never been like, no, I'm making serious movies. I'm putting all my effort into it. No, he's just like, in fact, for Uncut Gems, 
what he was like if I don't get if I don't win you're going to get Grown Ups 3 and I'm going to make this shit forever. So he knows right. what he's doing. Yeah. And it's a very and, funny and, joke, and, but yeah, he means it. it. And, I mean, like, the, it's a fallacy of comparison here, but, I mean, it's, like, the same thing. If, like, if like you know, uh, if Steven Seagal studied a bunch of, like, Stanislavski and then, like, really delivered on some movie or whatever, uh-huh. I still don't think that the Oscars would be interested in giving Steven Seagal a nod. Because yeah. they're not interested right. in redeeming Steven Seagal. Like, I will just... I will just say in regards to that, the conversation for Adam Sandler was was there. There were, yeah. it was like there was a huge campaign. People were talking about it. So I mean, that might just be like within like the film Twitter circle and right. not like the wider audience because that's what usually ends up happening. Is like there's there's you, film you Twitter, there's book. the critic circle. Yeah, and then Green Book wins Best Picture, and everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but like, yeah. Also to that, like, it shouldn't be that he needs. To be a get a redemption, it just should be how good he did in the movie. I mean, that's, I know that's not what it is. I know I was, that, that, I was, I, that, I that that's never what it's actually considered on, but that should be what all they consider is yeah, how good if, was if he in the movie, were, and that's if, it. But that's if not. If butts were candy and nuts for right, all yes, of a merry yeah, fucking yeah, Christmas, Sammy. Right, exactly. Everyone would get awards. <laughs> Every, just, everybody show. gets awards. Everyone's happy, and there I'm, we go. I'm going to remain uh, optimistic that Parasite was the, the heel turn in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, I also am worried that the Oscars are going to be like, see how great we were for giving it to Parasite, and well, then never do anything cool. For yeah, now they can suck for another ten years, and then maybe do another the, one. What even is the Oscars for this year? You know, it depends. Oh on, yeah, they might not even do it because they said they might just is, combine the two years. Trolls. On how much um, what else is coming up? Scoob. <laughs> just thinking of movies that have actually they, been released. They drop right, right movies now, like yeah. between. Like I'd say, probably September to the end of the year is when all the critical, like darlings, come out. So mm-hmm. right now, probably the best, probably the best movie I've seen in theaters this year is The Invisible Man, and number mm-hmm. two is probably Sonic the Hedgehog. So <laughs> <laughs> my uncle like, made a comment. He was like, "I, I really hope." Noms. Because we're talking about like if theaters were coming back, my uncle was like, "Please don't let Bloodshot be the last movie I saw in theaters." And I'm like, yeah. "I'm sorry." No, that'd be amazing. That'd be the, that'd Way be to go best. out. That's really what theaters were for. <laughs> Your batting average for seeing like one of the best movies you've ever seen in theaters is very bad. Yeah. So like right. that would actually be like a true like last hurrah. Like yeah, yeah I saw like a so. stupid fucking bullshit movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, anyway, Ray- Raymond, Raymond, yeah, what'd you ah, think? Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking all day about this. I still don't know if I have all my... We watched it last night. Uh, I didn't realize it was two hours and 14 minutes, but I started it after I got off work. And it was like 11.45 at night when we finished. Oof. And we were up until like 2 in the morning, just kind of like talking and hanging out. And I woke up this morning and I was like, all right, what am I going to say tonight? <laughs> and I thought about it. and all my blank time today that I had in between doing actual work stuff. I was like... All right, what about this scene? What about this scene? Um, I I think I liked Uncut Gems. It's it's a hard line for me to discriminate between uh, if I enjoyed a movie or if I just appreciate that it was well done. And I don't I don't know if I enjoyed the movie, which I didn't <laughs> enjoy Good Time either, but I appreciate that they are. Right, right. It is a well-made movie that is not doing something that anyone else is doing they are it is it is its own the Safdie brothers have created their own like style of film which is really it's impressive that A24 is like becoming this hub for just like a director getting to do whatever they want oh Mm -hmm. I have a cat right next to me 
To your point real quick, Raymond, I was just going to say that when Sammy and I saw it, it's very rare for me to see a movie and then immediately be like, wow, that movie is so good. I do not want to watch it again. And that's how I felt for about a week after after seeing Uncut Gems. And then I was like, "Uh, I might watch it again. And then a couple months down the line, it it was on Blu-ray and I was like... Yeah, I want to watch it again. Yeah. And so it, it, but it definitely took me a couple months before sure, I was to like, get there. Yeah, I want to rewatch that because, and Good Time, I still don't. I'm like, hmm, do yeah. I want to rewatch Good Time? I, I was because thinking, of like, how would you sell this movie? And that would be my thing is like, have you made it through a Safdie Brothers movie without having a heart attack? Then check out Uncut Gems. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I said to people when they asked me. I was like, have you seen Good Time? And if they had, I'd be like, okay, that's kind of the vibe. Yes, the I stress. Think- I also think I liked Good Time more than this, but I think that's also because mm-hmm. of just the narrative structure of Good Time lends itself to you just being in the moment mm-hmm. the whole time like, yeah. with Robert Pattinson being like, all right, what's he going to do next? What's he going to do next? Whereas this movie is more just like an uncomfortable uh, I think the stakes, with the character. <laughs> the stakes in Good Time are larger. Sure. In... In relation to the audience, because in this movie, mm. it's a lot of you're watching Howard make every uh, just bad decisions. Oh, yes. He it's is just God. every... <laughs> and you're sitting there just going, what the fuck is wrong with this guy at every mm-hmm. turn? And I think the movie wants you to feel that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like in good time, you know, he is a bad person. He's yes. not a good character for several reasons in that movie. No. Uh, but you under... The stakes there are that he's like trying to save his brother for the mm. most part kind of sort of yeah kind of sort of tj yeah, did you end up tj did you see good time on board i have not you seen haven't seen good time, time. Well, it's on netflix so yeah. now you can have a misery double feature <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is it is i think i mean it's adam sandler does a great job i think uh, my mm-hmm. girlfriend disagreed with me but <laughs> I, uh, she had she had some different takes on this movie but i I really enjoyed Adam Sandler's performance. Um, I also, having known Good Time and knowing what the Safdie brothers seem to enjoy doing, I, I went into the movie knowing that like things weren't going to be good. No matter what happened, it was not going to be like at the very at the very least, it was going to be like not a happy ending, maybe a neutral ending. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time the ending came, I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is fair. Uh, <laughs> Just a just a full misery slog, but it's right. it was just so painful watching. I remember Sammy talking about it. Where you said something when you were talking about it before on the podcast about like he just makes one bet, and I got really mad at him about it. <laughs> and then when that happened, I was like, I know what scene he's talking about. Yeah, he just <laughs> you you just get so mad at you like uh-huh. it's all his fault. It's all his fault. <laughs> like how do I feel bad when it literally could have been avoided? <laughs> Yeah. Ah, so yeah, it's uh, I I enjoyed all the performances. It's very funny that I didn't realize that the weekend is in it and he's playing himself. Yeah, so that playing the weekend. Himself specifically in 2012, which is even funnier. Like Probably he had like to get his hair back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bringing that yeah, great Kevin hair. Garnett being a main character was surprising to me. He's like, really good in this movie. I knew he was in it, but I didn't realize, like, when he comes up the first time, I was like, oh, that's his scene. And I didn't realize that he is, like, a through-line main he does, character. Yeah, I feel like he does <laughs> so good. I feel like he did he really good in this movie. substantial stuff to do in this movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought he did great. Yeah. All right, should we get to TJ? 
so TJ can join in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, with uh, sorry, I was just taking some notes. Um, <laughs> the novel over there. I liked how you licked your pen to get ready to start writing. I was like, oh, ooh, this is professional. <laughs> no. Um, so even just in like the opening credits, I really enjoyed um, the way that they were kind of building. Uh, it, New York has been portrayed in so many different ways that, that there's like the canon kind of unto itself right. and um, so I thought the way that they were portraying it wasn't necessarily like the dystopian super super gritty end of it but then not necessarily like the like you know Home Alone 2 kind of, <laughs> of it either mm-hmm. so uh, I thought that was interesting to again uh, we've, we've we're sticking in the like the oeuvre of like like nihilistic films with Jews and uh, and, and and super cool world building stuff, and um, so it really obviously like puts you in a time and a place. Um, a lot of the not a, the score I thought was like sometimes felt a little out of place, um, but was like really really cool mm-hmm. and also kind of was evoking the fact that the character. W- wishes that it was still Miami Vice times and he could and oh, yeah. do that. Yes. You know? And even like some of the, like his clothes are modern uh, and, and gaudy to a degree and still kind of like trying to evoke that particular period. Mm-hmm. So like I, it like diegetically fits in really well. Uh-huh. Um, but even in the opening scrawl, kind of seeing Scorsese as EP on it mm-hmm. um, was kind of an indicator as to kind of where this was going. Mm-hmm. Um, but the vibes reminded me of um, Sammy and Raymond. I, uh, I, I don't, I imagine Andy seen it because we were in the same film program, but have you guys seen uh, the long goodbye? Uh-uh. Uh, I did at one point. It's been a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the long goodbye, mm-hmm. um, and that's got Elliot Gould as the the lead in it, and he's just so <laughs> mwah, charming. Exactly, mwah. he's love like, me from some seventies Gould. <laughs> he is like neck neck and neck with fucking Goldblum, uh, like just yeah, he's he's just so fucking charming and, and yeah. just has this like natural swagger, and and it, it's an awesome movie. But the one particular scene that reminded me of it was the scene in the car with Arno, which is actually like one of the only funny like like consistently funny bits uh-huh. in the whole bit or whatever where like one guy just like cannot let up on like you fucking bit me uh-huh. and it's just like chaos or whatever and it reminded no, me this of, movie uh, is chaos uh, yeah <laughs> well and it's actually uh one of um schwarzenegger's earlier roles too because he plays like one of the heavies for uh, uh okay. guy that's shaking him down and he, he's like ma- there was an improv scene or whatever he was just like everybody take your clothes off anybody that works for me i gotta know him through and through and trust him and i and i trust any man i've never seen naked i don't think so and like so like schwarzenegger like had to like go along with the improv and like get down to his skivvies but like it's like chaos and weird yes, and ego and, and, yes, and and so yeah there were some scenes that reminded me a lot of the long goodbye and i really enjoy that movie mm-hmm. um and again also kind of a through line of it is that that film doesn't end on a super positive note no um and yeah. it's a it's and, a philip marlowe noir so it's a, it's a good it's, it's a good bleak well, story the well, the safety brothers um uh, have already like done a lot with the criterion collection mm-hmm. and they've like been uh interviewed a bunch like they know their stuff they just recently put up an a interview of them interviewing ari aster who oh, did funny. hereditary in midsummer yeah. and they, it's just like a 20 minute interview about them talking about uh scorsese short films oh cool yeah because that's coming like, out to criterion collection and the way they talk about it, it's not just like, 
they're not just like nerding about nerding out about it it's like they know their shit they know what his influences were and why he used it and it's really really interesting well and very interesting guys and i think the the element of scorsese is really interesting because it falls almost into the vein of like kind of two films in particular of um i guess there's uh sort of like here's you and here's the point kind of (laughs) films that end up happening like wolf of wall street and like uh, yeah. Fight Club, you know, where like the overall theme of the film is lost on frat guys that have the poster on their wall, right. you know, yes. and and it's not their fault, you know, like they're they're making a film about a, a like an objectively bad guy, and they do their best job to like make sure that you show that like they have consequences for their actions in some sort of fashion, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it's also kind of falls into the same kind of thing with a film like um, like Breathless. Um, like uh, Godard, where like the protagonist of the film is a like patently unlikable bad person mm-hmm. uh-huh. who like treats people badly and then dies because they're a shithead, like they're a professional criminal and they treat people badly and they're just trying to scam people and use them and then he dies. <laughs> no matter how like how many cool like American one-liners like gotta make tracks, Max, <laughs> and then a bunch of fast cuts and you know handheld and it was very revolutionary for the time, but. You know, it's still the, like the deliberate thing that Godard does with a lot of his films is like make you hate the people that you're typically traditionally supposed to either embody or like, uh, you know, empathize with. Mm-hmm. He does it too well in his film Weekend because I despise every second of that movie, but I understand. We're not talking about that. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's that's the, the same kind of visceral kind of like eels in your guts like hatred of a person that you watch for two hours Mm -hmm. and you know there's even some kind of weird sense of lack of satisfaction because you as the viewer want them to find some kind of redemption or some kind of fitting punishment or whatever but instead they you know just get killed Mm -hmm. you know and and it's like you know there's part of you that feels dissatisfied but then also like like, yeah that guy probably should have been shot in the face like 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) And this and, is with um, Uncut Gems. I feel like I, 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 again, like I, like I said, it's like it's all his fault. Like it's all his doing. But then you're still like kind of you're rooting for him still because you're just like you want I to mean, get he, out of it, right? But at the same time, <laughs> he's just shown you that he's not going to, right? <laughs> yeah, because he my, had every chance to and didn't. Decided to go more. My interpretation of the ending. We could talk about it. Is you know he. It's a sad. It's sad because he dies right there, and like, there's so many like ends left open of like what's gonna happen. Who's how are they gonna find mm-hmm. him? You know, and it, and it takes the time to show you all the other people, like how many other things he has going on. But in reality, like that is the perfect point for Howard Ratner to die. <laughs> it is the perfect spot for him, and yeah. he, he even like is smiling at kind of at the end when it uh-huh. does the slow uh, on his face because he's at the top. Of whatever he's gonna do, because you know he's gonna turn around with that money that he that he did, and he's just gonna create Blow twelve it. other yeah. fucking problems. Uh-huh. Yes. And so for that second, he won. He gets it. He's at the top he's ever gonna be. He's never gonna be that good again. And then it's over. And in like kind of a poetic way, like that's the perfect spot for Howard to die. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's right at the top. He's never gonna be there again. And that's exactly how he would want to go, even if he didn't realize it. But I think that's what the movie's trying to say when it does the slow pan in on his smiling face. Mm-hmm. Right. Is kind of like, it's it's a sad ending, but it's also kind of happy <laughs> and bittersweet. 
in a weird fucked up way. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's yeah. how I interpreted the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see well, that. And I guess it starts to like beg the question of like he deserved that then. Oh. <laughs> it's like because yeah. he was like yeah, like a bad man. Right. <laughs> and I and, think he deserved it. Yeah. Well, no, as far as like deserved getting the death that he wanted. You know. Probably was... not that one, but it's a better yeah. one mm-hmm. than he was gonna get mm-hmm. if he didn't get it right then. Right. 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 Yeah. And so yeah, that's that's the thing. I I I enjoy talking about films in particular that like evoke emotion. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. Is you know. <laughs> I mean, more than, you know, because, you know, just something that's bad is boring most right. of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's, like, you know, bad to the point of being remarkable is another thing, another conversation altogether. Right. But, you know, something that, you know, you, you know, you, if you have a mix, you're not sure if you like a movie or not. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's an interesting mm-hmm. exercise. Uh-huh. So that's, I think, the thing that I'm taking away from most of it, you know, being less than an hour in the afterglow of having watched it <laughs> right um you know um i guess i'm i'm still trying to f- figure out the point it was trying to to make overall in um because i just haven't had the proper time to process it yeah but, you know yeah I, this is a perspective of somebody from you know hot off the press, yeah, hot off the press. <laughs> and i like that perspective i like having that fresh you dealing with the after and well, we've been sitting with it since when when did we see it andy in december when it came december, out december so yeah like, it was like in between that week between christmas and new year's we went and saw it and i definitely get to seeing it a second time it's way less stressful because you know you know you know what's gonna happen so you, i get watching it in a different i mean there were still times that even though i knew it was gonna happen i was still stressed especially that end scene but knowing going as you're watching it this time like oh what knowing the beats that's going to happen i saw it in a different way as well which was interesting to notice some other things that i was too stressed out to notice when we saw it in theaters (laughs) i was i I started watching it and slowly my my parents and my sister both gravitated over like oh is a movie just starting and like sat down and watched it i was like yeah all right well we'll we'll see how they like it um i know they had wanted to see it but uh, i was there with them watching it Uh and so i got to watch it and about a half hour in my dad looked at me and he was like i feel like really tired from this movie and i was like (laughs) what you got another hour to go and it's not gonna let up no (laughs) see i got home from work one night and my stepmom was just kind of like surfing channels and uh, I saw Demon Knight, Tales from the Crypt, <laughs> and it was just on the listing or whatever. I was like, oh, man, that movie's great. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, Billy Zane's a bad guy, and it's like the best depiction of a, a demon I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And then she put it on, and it was like halfway through it, and I just sat down, and we just watched the rest of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was Jada Pinkett, not Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I think um, the one kind of theme that I picked up on was... Um, the the fucking crazy guy that freaks out at the end and shoots everybody in the face. Yep. Uh, Poor Arnold. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and I love oh. Peter Bognosian from uh, watching Law and Order. Right. Um, but uh, I think it sort of represents the same theme where he's talking to, to, to KG in the office and he's talking about that like that unknown element that people that try and figure out odds just can't can't 
count on. They, you know, mm-hmm. just like when when ego and everything else and, you know, encapsulates in this fireball and you want to prove everybody wrong and everything else. And then that's when you skyrocket and, you know, that's when the big, big thing happens or whatever. And so that happens with KG. And that also happens with that fucking guy because he's counting the odds of like, if I lock these guys in this room and we let this game play out and I win, then I'm counting on the fact that they're all going to be happy with the fact that they're going to be getting a boatload of money right. when that guy doesn't fucking care. Yes. That guy got locked care. in a cage for three hours against his will and he's used to like slapping people in the face who offer him water. And so that, like, and yeah. that guy isn't in for the bet at all. The only people that give a shit about the bet is Arno and uh, Howard. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that guy's just a heavy. That guy is just mm-hmm. a dude that Arno hires to go do a shit. So he's sitting there like, I'm gonna kick the shit out of this guy regardless the second he lets mm-hmm. me out. I don't care if he just made this deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's kind of one kind of theme I guess I'm picking up on. It's like, yeah, there's that wild card. Wild card, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> can't can't it, bet it at all. <laughs> a really interesting character moment that I caught the second time watching that I don't think I caught fully the first time is um, <laughs> the whole scene at uh, his daughter's play when he when he sees those guys there and he has to go out and it's a whole fucking mess and he ends up getting you know shoved into his trunk naked mm-hmm. and fucking Adina Menzel has to come out there and let him out and he comes back in just to catch the part of the play and I don't know what play it is I think it's Shakespeare isn't it uh, no I, it's it, it, it wasn't like super super flowery okay. language or anything but in in any but. case the the point is that like the uh, his daughter is cursed to everything she says turns into gold coins and the point yeah. of that story is that that's a bad thing but all we see is him look at that and go oh holy shit that's cool and immediately <laughs> literally the deliver of his line of just him going Wow! <laughs> just yeah. and then it goes to the next so scene. Like oh, it's perfect. kind of that representation of like it, he totally misses the point there, and it's right. just like, oh wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. <laughs> and then it is immediately followed up followed up by that scene with him and his daughter, where he's just like doesn't get it. Like she has some like absolute distaste and like issues with him, and he's just like, okay. I love when <laughs> she's like. Later. I'll call you back to the girl on the phone. And then as she walks away, you can tell that she did not hang up with that girl at all. She just continues talking with her like, oh, yeah, she does not care. (laughs) And yeah, with that, too, the look that like uh, she gives her mom too. like they obviously talk about him when he's not around. Like Uh there's that is very apparent that he is. The boys don't know, but her her and the mom. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they know. And you even see them talking shit about other family members when they're in the car uh-huh. and they're on their way home from the thing. And like you get a little bit of that, and it's it's uh-huh. those little character moments that say like a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, a thing that I I, I was telling I was explaining to my dad that I really like about this movie is like the sound mixing and sound design in this movie is is like on point because it is mm-hmm. very specifically made to overwhelm you. Yes. So there is the sounds of. New York, there. Everybody yells. Ninety-five percent of the dialogue in this movie is people yelling. At the one that p- pointed out the most to me, this watching it this time, was when he they're standing by the fountain that he gets thrown into. Oh, uh-huh. Like the fountain's the almost fountain louder than so them loud. talking. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that like all that is very intentional, but also the movie is very good. I am surprised at how good the movie is at making sure you hear the right specific words so that you know exactly yes. what's going on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of a confusing you know narrative that they are just yelling at you 
And right. if you don't, like, but watching it two times, I, I felt like I understood the story, like, completely the first time we watched it. And it's because it's perfectly giving you those just those little bites and those little character moments so you understand how everybody sits in relation to everybody else. Like, there's no question of how, of where her, uh, Howard stands with, like, Judd Hirsch. Yeah. With his father-in-law. Uh-huh. Like, you know that relationship. Just And they're only in, like, one and a half scenes together. Uh-huh. Right. But I think that that's the thing that this movie does really, really well. I and mean, I, that's basically the whole movie. Is yeah. them doling out these different relationships. And I watched it with subtitles this time when I watched I it. as well. Oh, uh-huh. Just to see how oh, it would wow. do. And it, yeah. it really basically only shows what you need to hear. It Very quickly, it like doesn't try to get all of it in there. It's just <laughs> trying to give you the one that you need because it'd be so hard. It would be impossible to try to do subtitles of all of them talking. So that's what I wanted to see from it. And the one kind of, uh, the one relationship in this movie that I think it intentionally tricks you on is the one between him and Arno. Mm-hmm. Because it's supposed yes. to be kind of like a funny, like, a holy shit moment when they're at dinner together and you mm-hmm. realize that that's his brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> it, like, it takes a moment, like, you're a couple, you're into that scene a little bit before it finally, like, clicks. And I think it's intentionally trying to throw you off from how, you know, how he treats everybody. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was like a whoa moment for me too. It's like, oh, that's his brother-in-law that's treating him this way. Like that shows you what kind of a guy he is. That his brother-in-law is the one that's doing all this to him. <laughs> it's it, even to that. It's like all the I love the all the interactions between him and Arno because it's like, I mean, at at, at to a degree, it's like Arno is being like a mob boss. You don't know what his actual relation is you know, to organize crime, but clearly he's somewhere in it. And Mm -hmm. you just see, like, a a mix of disdain and, like, sadness through, like, the majority of his face as he watches (laughs) Howard try and explain what he is doing and why he is not doing the thing he's supposed to. And I feel like there's, especially at that scene with the when the father's there too, and uh-huh. he's like explaining what he's going to be doing. Like there's a there's even some recognition of like, oh, I, I get what you're trying to do. Like that uh-huh. Arno has, like, oh, I get it, but like you don't, right, you also like, don't on. get it. Like, yeah, you well, shouldn't the, be doing like, that. The, the bit that's become like a meme is is like when it's like the last quarter of the game, and Arno is just like dead tired just staring at the screen mm-hmm. and he like it's just so much disdain of like you you fucked yourself in this yeah. like the the moment like the, when the game starts i was i was so upset when like i didn't realize i mean i understood but i didn't realize the severity of his bet is like kevin garnett had to get the ball at tip off which is uh-huh. almost entirely ran- yeah, like, yeah. So <laughs> random and the fact that like he does it and then he's just like right afterwards he's like oh i would have been fucked if i didn't get that (laughs) that's a third of your entire bet if you didn't have that one possibly random Uh thing (laughs) i think this movie does an incredible job of like explaining the mechanics of the game and yes and how big of stakes it is oh, yeah. because I know I know dick about basketball right and I was able to follow along like with when it well was I know I, yeah I know even I know 
basketball for for the most part i know nothing about betting on it yeah like oh, yeah. yeah it's like him going through the list of his bets i'm like i don't know what idiot but then yeah it After does do a movie, great i yeah. can guarantee i will never place a sports bet right. that shit is stressful. <laughs> i mean it's it's so insane that you can literally bet on like every second on every possibility of what happens yeah. in the game with like the, the majority of betting you probably should do is just like if this team wins or if this team wins right exactly Instead, it's like no, he's betting to the degree of who gets the ball first, and then he's got to make a certain amount of shots in the game, and they have to win by a certain amount. He has to get a certain amount of rebounds, and like, uh-huh. yeah, just all the bets that he decides to do. Just, oh man, this right. guy's got to sneeze and then cough into his <laughs> left elbow, <laughs> or you yeah. win nothing. <laughs> but the thing that I noticed this time was like he had 165. Uh-huh. He only owned or owed uh-huh. Arno 100. He, he gives needed. Arno the 100, uh-huh. puts the 65 yeah. towards that bet, still wins a ton of money. Why? <laughs> I know why he does, does it, but it's still it's he, like he could have gotten out. He could have. Oh, yeah. man. In that great scene with, with Kevin Garnett where he tells him, like, yes. I bought this I bought this rock for, what, like 100000 or uh-huh. something? Yes. Yeah. He or says like 100. 10, 10 grand? He says 100. Uh, 100. 100. Yeah. Yeah. And Kevin's like, why, why do you care? Like, uh-huh. these people... It's still a million dollars to these people. Why do Why do you care? You're still making a huge profit. And he's like, "Do you want to win by three points or thirty points?" And Kevin kind of gives a certain thing of like, "Oh, okay. Like I get that. Like it's all about the win to Howard, and that's why I, I think it's like it, he's. It's never going to get better than that moment." So yeah. I just did the math. The, the roughly he's supposed yeah. to win like one point two million off yep. his one hundred sixty-five thousand. So that's a factor of seven something. So right. I did the math, and if he just did the sixty-five thousand, he still would have had four hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars. He won exactly. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that would be enough to erase all of his problems. Yes. Yeah. So it's yep. yeah, it's it's so it's like it's so funny seeing a movie that treats gambling this way in addiction, where it's yeah. like he's he's addicted to gambling and all that works, but he can't figure out that he's literally gambling with his own life and that the stakes of that he are is, more important. Than, yeah, he's like, working he everybody like money gamble. Yeah, I really noticed when he, when he starts crying and that girl uh-huh. comes in, he is he's working it then to like get her back uh-huh. on his side. Like yeah. it's almost like he's not really he's really working up the cry just no. to get her. Like he's always yeah. constantly working people. Right. Exactly. Well, and that's yeah. that's the whole thing with that scene is like normally that scene would be like I'm a bad person mm-hmm. and I need to figure out like what what the fuck I'm doing. I need to fix myself, but, right? Yeah. And his his situation is like I don't know how I'm still I'm still going to win. Yeah. You know that's yes, that's the that's whole his thing. Mindset, it's like yeah. he, you know it, his life and limb is like very little. It's like I still need to figure out how I can win, yeah. not like how I can break even, but uh-huh. how I can still make a bajillion dollars. Uh-huh. And you know, after she reveals the tattoo, uh, <laughs> that whole bit, you know, my girlfriend, and I just looked at each other and we went, oh. like the fact that and she moves out, well, but then still gets that tattoo. Like yeah, she goes oh, through God. the process yeah. of moving out, but then they, it's like, I'm they, still your own. They deserve each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I'm he's glad always she's like, she's the I, one that gets away with the money. If anybody <laughs> yes. got away with the money, I was like, I'm glad it's her. Yeah. Yep. Well, and the whole, like, I don't deserve it bit isn't because, like, again, like, not because I'm a bad man, but because I'm not, like, disgustingly rich. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And, and, and the same thing, he's, like, working Passover, where he's like, oh, look at, look at what I'm a family man, Arno, you don't want to hurt, me. I'm just a right, little guy. Right. Yeah. Ah, come on. And, yeah, everything's at work. His last name being Ratner is not a cool <laughs> 
That's a good point. (laughs) It took me a minute to figure out that, like, the first scene where he's pawning off that, um, that cross thing is like that is the other guy's jewelry. Yes, supposed to be selling. That's the thing that I still, (laughs) I still don't understand how that works. Like, especially the part with the ring. Where he, the guys hold on to the ring, They're but he's still able to still pawns. get it. Are, yeah, are you not familiar with like how pawn shops work? I mean, I, I, but he's able to come and take it again. That's what I don't like. But he yeah. trades so, him, he gives him the, his other ring. So, which is... so the short answer is no. no but no, I guess <laughs> I don't understand. Don't sell it. You're lo- they're loaning you money for an item, and if you don't make the loan back or you don't pay it back in time, they get to sell it. So they just they give you money to hold on to your item. And if yes. yeah, and if you and don't they hold get on the to money it as back, yeah, then they then they. So then those the those percent they figs they're talking about is interest, right? Is yes. that okay? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like it's a generally like a very predatory practice. Uh-huh. Like it's the same thing that like for like cash advance shit. You know, right. Like, they're hoping you don't. Plan- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're planning on keeping it. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. Okay. That makes more because I was like, what are the numbers that when they started throwing out numbers, I was like, I just yeah, I didn't get that part. So that makes more sense. All right. Yeah. And nope. that that's a real pawn shop, and the guys that yeah. work there are the actual like. That's what I wanted to talk about. Well, I so think we talked about this with, yeah, we talked the, about with the, Good the Time, yeah. is that they hire real people. Like that's yeah. what's so cool about these the Safety Brother movies is like a lot of the I mean the most of the main actors are act, or like are actual actors, but then a lot of the side characters are real dudes that really do this stuff. Like those two creepy dudes that like are coming after him that he oh. gives the watch to, they creep me yeah, out so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite shots in the movie is when he's like crying and everything is like falling apart and then that guy just shows up and he's just like, oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> he's, he's like, just, like so annoyed that that guy showed up <laughs> and then they don't do anything. Like that guy just ends yeah. up leaving because he's like a yeah. pathetic piece of shit. Yeah. So he's just like, you oh, You sold come. me a fake Rolex. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what am, I, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and every time they show up, he's just like, oh, God, I don't, I don't care. I don't leave me alone. But yeah, the best is when he, he gives them the watch, then he walks up to his friend, and then the guy comes up. He's like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, I don't want to watch. Get away from me. Like, I don't want <laughs> My well, dad reminds- kept going, those guys are going to come back. And I'm like, no, they're just two creepy dudes. Yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah, weird guys. It reminds me of, like, Death of Stalin, where he's like, you look like a testicle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent accurately describes that guy. <laughs> yeah, well, at what point do you give up on the concept of hair? You know, like, kind of like they look like they've got little wisps of cloud. He looks like he's always being electrocuted. <laughs> oh boy. The the Gosh. one storyline that didn't make sense to me, but I also don't think it's supposed to make sense, is Lakeith Stanfield's character, because it's he's just so aloof. That, like, yeah, I understand what he's doing, but like his motivations to like the second half of the movie, I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening, but also or how he's able are. to be I like that. I think it's that. just supposed to be yeah. maddening. Yeah, because he's well, I think basically like what Adam Sandler can't figure it out. He's like the other part of that world. Like he needs Howard to let him come in and sell stuff to his customers. Right, that's his and connection. He, yeah. His hope is that he's gonna, you know, be part of KG's posse. And he won't have to do that shit anymore. But he still needs to use Howard to to get to that point. And I think it's kind of... I think it's kind of showing, like, how differently somebody from that world gets to deal with this business. Whereas, like, Mm -hmm. somebody like Howard gets to deal with that business, you know? 
Well, and I I think it's like the same criticism that he keeps giving him all the time. It's just like, God, you're fucking crazy. Like, why? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, that's all. Like, he, that's every like, time he describes obsessed, that. Yep. You're obsessed with basketball. Like, you can't like basketball. You have to be obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is like I think it's demonstrated in that line when he gets confronted at the club or whatever. It's just like you know, like, well, what the fuck are you doing here? He's just like, I'm here to see the weekend. Except like, he says on the like, phone that he wasn't going to go. Right. So. Well, sure, but like also, but like. But it's also playing to that point of, like, the reason that, like, you keep losing is because you care too much. Right, yeah. Is, like, invested. yeah, you, you're, you're playing, you're, it, it's weird because he's, like, uh, constantly breaking rules and constantly breaking his word and constantly mm-hmm. breaking trust and I'll pay you back tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, having people count on a word that is worth nothing. Right. When, and then is shocked when that happens to him. Uh, like, yeah. like, you know, that's, that's, I think, kind of playing on that. That's a, yeah, that's a really good like, point. If you didn't care so much, and if you just wanted to enable a lifestyle where you hang out with the weekend and do coke and hang out with Kevin Garnett and all this other shit, then great. It's you there. Know, but you, yeah, you could do you it. You have to want one point three million dollars uh-huh. instead of just like continuing to live a fun life. I also like the part where they they go to the practice, and he's like, "I have to steal this ball and make a shot. Like I gotta do this." And because he does that, he doesn't stay close enough to him that he like gets left behind. Like that whole interaction of him. Deciding to do that is the reason that he doesn't get into the locker room to Which do what he's supposed to do. They, when they went to go film at that place, like uh, Adam Sandler spent, he only had to do like that one scene. The rest of it was other stuff. But Adam Sandler showed up for the whole day and just played basketball with the players. Good. <laughs> that's like what I, I thought player. for sure there was going to be ba- like him playing basketball scenes because of so many times I saw behind the scenes of him playing basketball with everybody. I was like, <laughs> there must be a scene where he plays basketball. But nope, he just wanted to play basketball. <laughs> Well, and I want to talk about Adam Sandler for a minute. Ooh, just like Adam, ooh, Adam Sandler, the man. Oh, Sandman? Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't remember who said it, but there was a quote out there with like a professional athlete. I don't remember who it is, but they asked him, who is the, who is the best person that you've ever played basketball against? And he said, like, no joke, Adam Sandler is the best person I've ever played basketball. He doesn't <laughs> fuck around. He is like Prince in that regard, in that legendary <laughs> Prince basketball story. He's like, don't yes. fuck with Adam Sandler, because he, sh- he rolls up with his boys and he takes it seriously. <laughs> and you don't think Adam Sandler's going to be that guy, but he absolutely is. <laughs> That's the thing, is like, I want to like him very much. And like, there are, <laughs> there are occasional things like, his like his uh, like the, ode to Chris Farley is like very sweet and sincere. Are that he is like the nicest man. Yeah. Yeah. He loves and, his wife, and he just yeah. makes movies where he just gets to do, like he has no work to do. Which mm-hmm. you know what you you can't fault him for. Like it's disappointing, but you can't fault him for real. Like I found the the loophole in the system. Yeah. <laughs> but all well, just in his like from there are like little Nicky. Like, it's and, not right. like he went and made, like, Citizen Kane and then get... It's not right. like it's not right, like right. Orson Welles where he got to make Citizen Kane and then everything else, everyone was like, all right, like, right. you know, <laughs> you did it. You he did was it. known for being in funny comedies, and then he was like, what if I never worked any harder at these comedies? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the only... Like, he, it's not like he strove to do anything different or worse. He just kept going. Right. Well, worse is a... <laughs> He well, he definitely has done some lazy. worse. <laughs> yes, but like the he made the, the opposite of Citizen Kane, Jack and Jill. <laughs> Jack and Jill. I love that lazy. he he came out and he was like, "If I don't get an Oscar nomination for this, I'm going to make just ter- more terrible it's movies." So funny. <laughs> he's like, he "I'm going to go serious. make." He's joking, but he's <laughs> also entirely serious. Yeah, he's made so many references to Waterboy 
since uh, then that I'm like, he's just making I'm a Waterboy sure too. Because <laughs> Kathy Bates is also Chinese. Yes, player. yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'm pretty sure they are making a Waterboy. <laughs> well, I'm down for that. Well, and so I guess my are thing you? is like... Yeah. <laughs> and I guess like he obviously has these impulses where he wants to... And I don't know how much of it was Paul Thomas Anderson trying to, like, you know, campaigning to get him for Punch Drunk Love or how much of a relationship they have. I don't know. I want to see that movie. The production of that. It's very good. The main example I've seen it with was, like, um, Robin Williams, who Mm. obviously, like, had, like, a very profound uh, element of, like, sadness that Mm -hmm. he was attracted to. I mean, there was obviously, like, pretty patently, you know, uh, you know, animated stuff that he did and everything else that was like very very zing zing funny 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 um but even early on as like you know good morning vietnam mm-hmm. or like patch adams like there are like subplots of those movies that are like really fucking truly sad yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know and and as far as like somebody who bridged that divide between comedy and drama really really well I think that's probably the best motherfucker that ever did it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I don't e- I didn't even think of Goodwill Hunting until I was writing Good Morning Vietnam down <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh yeah, that's another one that he was a fucking phenomenal actor in." Right. And then even like the super scary darker side that he got into in like Insomnia, mm-hmm. uh, which I th- I forget uh, that was a Swedish film before, I think, yeah. right? And then um, Chris Nolan did remake it. Yeah, with uh, with Pacino and him, and um, and like twenty four hour photo, and like Father of the Year, like Father, Father of the, the Year. Is something. That is a fucking. It's, that's a fucking isn't movie. That a, isn't that a Bobcat Goldwaith movie? I, it might be. I think it it, is. It's got it's got vibes. But yeah. it's that, anyway. Yeah, it I is, watched it before I was into dark. film, and I was like, holy fuck, yeah. So yeah, like I I can see that impulse in him where he wants to. Um, kind of do the same thing, and he's and I think he's great in Punch Drunk Love, and I think he's great in this. I think in, so. I think uh, in, it's hard. And Funny People, could, people don't people say that Funny People's good? I don't remember yeah, liking it, but is, Funny People it's is good, good but for the first way too half. Long. Yeah, oh. it's a it's a movie that it it does something very specific, and then halfway through the movie, it's like that doesn't matter anymore, mm-hmm. and like the stakes are gone. For the last think, half of the movie, I think it's the problem that Judd Apatow was having specifically at that time, uh-huh. where he had made like a couple comedies that like were were goofy, but started to like actually getting taken seriously, mm-hmm. and people were saying like, you know, he's an actually a very like competent director that can get really good uh, performances out of people, and I think specifically when Funny People came out, that was him going, I want a nomination, I want recognition yeah. from the Academy for this. And I think funny people would have got that if it was half the length. That movie is like yes. almost three hours long. Oof. Yeah, that's the problem. The Maybe that's why I don't like it because I didn't make like it through the, the whole thing. Right. Yeah, it's like the premise is that he's got cancer. It's like Adam Sandler finds out he has cancer and he's still like trying, he's trying to make amends with the rest of his life. And it's like yeah. halfway through the movie, they're just like, oh, what if none of that matters anymore? What mm-hmm. if we just go back to being like a comedy? And it's like, uh, and, that uh, was the bad uh, part of the movie though. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I think. Like, with regards to what you were saying, TJ, about um, Robin Williams and him being drawn to that sadness, I think Adam Sandler, all of his best performances are where he's portraying a person with anger issues. And I wouldn't be surprised to see if, like, Adam Sandler himself has, like, some some real sure. anger problems because... You know, uh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, yeah. yeah. He's very good in that movie, but he's not goofy Adam Sandler. You know, he's not... Do, do, do. Do, you know, he's not doing that For the that most part, yeah, oh, that was, like he, a he, that was perfect. 
for the yeah. most part, he's just like an insane aggro man. Yeah. He plays that. He plays that movie really like. Oh, and there's like, literally. I forgot about anger management. Anger yeah. management. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Anger management. Uh, I forgot about that love. movie. The, his, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. parts in that movie where his anger kind of boils over, and in this one when he's in Uncut Gems when he's yelling, I think it, that's something that when he does that, that's where it feels the most real when you're watching mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, and so I I feel like that's his kind of that's his he needs to use that more. Yeah, yeah, his wheelhouse mm-hmm. that he's not his, that's explored. his wheelhouse, but he the problem is he makes you know several million dollars on murder mystery which is not very good but a lot of people <laughs> murder like mystery it. is totally fine you know that's an yeah. enjoyable fine i the, love the, just go with it waste of time just go with the it is greatest, I, I, still quote, I still quote i still quote that movie <laughs> the best ratings that netflix has ever gotten good see like that's the thing. It's like it's <laughs> fine but it's doing like marvel movie numbers you know Right. Yeah. When you want you want to see the potential of the actor, when you know they've got way more in them, and you want them to do stuff like uncut gems yeah. or like the first half of Funny People or Punch Drunk Love, and it's like instead he's gonna share that ridiculous six. And, and I think that's whatever why else. I think that's why he doesn't do it very often because. It's it, like, and then the other thing with uncut gems is like so many people went into uncut gems thinking it was an Adam Sandler movie. Oh. Like yeah. my grandparents literally I today when I talked to them. We're, they were like, we watched that, but it wasn't what we were expecting because it was Adam Sandler. So we thought it'd be Adam Sandler. And it's like, did you watch a trailer? Did you <laughs> like so many people thought it was going to be an Adam Sandler movie? And I that's talked, yeah. I talked to a person that had just saw it on Netflix and had watched it thinking it was like an Adam Sandler Netflix movie. And when they were talking to me about it, oh, they were man. like, they were like, I was so confused on why he like did this and i had to like sit him down and be like you know like he didn't write this movie he didn't direct he, it he's literally right. just acting in this he didn't produce it it wasn't like his idea he just acted in this movie because he's an actor and he's very and <laughs> they agreed like he's very good in this it's just not like anything else he does and i'm like yeah because he's a good actor and he doesn't do and this I think, very often and i think the marketing for this movie did that like showed that it wasn't an Adam Sandler movie, but so many people were just like, "Oh, it's Adam Sandler. It's going to be Adam Sandler." Mm-hmm. We, when Sammy and I saw it, there was an entire row of what seemed to be like, "Oh, no, it wasn't even an entire row." <laughs> it was like it was frat boys because they didn't buy seats together, right. <laughs> so they had to. They tried to sit it together, and then very slowly they got separated because they didn't all buy seats together. So they were all spread out throughout the movie. And then I think we talked about this on the podcast, but. Yeah. As soon as it went into the, the hit the bullet hole, they got up and left. They didn't sit to the credits. Like a full minute left to the movie. <laughs> they like just our all was got up. empty by the time. The yeah, because they were they pretty much filled the theater. So it was like the the whole theater just got up and left. And Andy and I were looking at each other like, "What is happening right now? Why are they the leaving?" Not over. <laughs> they they knew those, it was. Yeah, those Brian Fuller ass visuals were like some of the best parts. Uh. <laughs> the end and beginning of this movie, the transition to the being bookends. being inside his butt. Is <laughs> inside his brain, from your brain hole to your butthole. That should have been the tag of this movie. My dad called uncut. Me, like 
the second the transition happened. We were watching, and it like the second it started, he went, "Is that a colonoscopy or something?" <laughs> <laughs> Does he look at those a lot? Does he? I, like, you I didn't even notice it, it when yeah. I saw it in theaters until it went to the screen. But it was it's watching it the second time. I was like, "Oh yeah, obviously it's, it transitions yeah. at yeah, one yeah. point to definitely." Yeah, I think dads over forty have a sixth sense. <laughs> they know. They know. <laughs> they fear it so much that they've learned all about it. <laughs> exactly. So I guess what this this does is beg the question: is like what what is what is the what's the magic sauce like what what makes it happen like what's the dream team like like what should should wes anderson try and get him in the in the corral of actors wouldn't that be fun <laughs> or like you know i think a lot of people would shit on it because it's not like you know doing Waterboy 2 or whatever mm-hmm. but like i think him doing a different take on comedy kind of like punch drunk love is like still very funny in a lot uh-huh. of parts yeah you know? i would love to um, see him i just think that aster film like a oh, horror movie just a horror movie mm-hmm. i think the problem well, is that his audience is those people that love murder party and want Waterboy yeah. too like that's the problem is that they would never enjoy any of these other movies it doesn't seem like right. I, I i think where it would have to be is something where it would like pleasantly surprise like film twitter mm-hmm. you know like something along the lines of like mike myers popping up in inglorious bastards oh, yeah. mm-hmm. yes like yeah. that's a delight like that's a really fun scene like <laughs> and, and some of it's funny because it's mike myers but like most of it is just like oh he's just like a british general guy yeah, and he's exactly. doing a good job yeah, yeah. and this yeah. movie kind of had that because that it, mm-hmm. it was exactly kind, it was kind of under the radar that it was happening like people there had been rumors about it, but, like, no one had seen anything. And then the full movie premiered at Cannes before a single, mm-hmm. like, uh, still was released. And people were like, uh, what the... Like, so many unsuspecting people were like, uh, I just watched a Safdie Brothers movie with fucking Adam Sandler in it, and it's <laughs> insane. And when that yeah. got out, everyone was like, wait, what the fuck? And there was so much hype coming out of that festival when it was released that, like, when that first the first still was released and everyone was like... Oh, he is a vi- he's so striking looking in this movie that they just like released a still of him. Everyone was just like new, like oh, this is going to be different. Yes, but I do think that like the main poster for this movie doesn't show that off. It's like a black and white picture of him looking beat up. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people see that poster and they're like, oh, it's like Adam Sandler getting beat up in a movie, and like you say that, and it's like I think I know what to expect from right. this. Mm-hmm. So. I think he was also like embracing being an older man, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's that's something that he can't embrace in a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, like comedy stuff unless right. it's a like directly about like you know like Grown Ups is about you know going through the plight of having you know children from the ages of like four to twelve or whatever. Uh, but like all those people still have like very defined like silver streak if that's gonna be there like David Spade uh, <laughs> or whatever and like but everybody else is supposed to be like you know like fruitful and young and they're still going to Cancun and they can you know still fuck around with you know playing with bows and arrows and whatever the fuck you know like they're still meant to be like sprightly even though someone's gonna get shot in the ass and you know all, like whatever all of their wives are still fifteen to twenty years younger in- than they are yes yep yep, <laughs> yep banging and. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so like I I like that he was embracing being an older man, yeah. and so like uh, if anything, I think it would be really fun for him to pop up in something like a historical thing, like I uh, like I said with Mike Myers or like Tom Hardy and Peaky Blinders. Like mm-hmm. I, I think those are like yeah. really awesome bit parts that people really get to shine in. But really, I think it'd be fun if he like had like a bit in like a Shane Black movie or something. Oh, yeah. Like that would again, be awesome. just like 
it'd be so fucking funny, like imagining him interacting with like Russell Crowe <laughs> and Ryan Gosling and Nice Guys, Oof. like uh, like some kind of character oh, that he great. comes up with would be fucking awesome. Well, and know, even just letting them play. Originally, he was supposed to be the bear Jew for Inglorious Bastards. And oh, see that be but it's like scheduling, awesome. scheduling or something didn't permit it, so he they oh, got man. you and Roth instead. But yeah, blows. that was originally Tarantino wrote it for him. Oh wow, that, like, that would have awesome. been a great bit. That would have really articulated my fucking point. I was trying to make <laughs> yeah, literally in the movie that you were pointing out. <laughs> in the alternate timeline where that happened, this podcast is like so. I'm I have legs to stand on this argument. Yeah, him and Tarantino are buddies because Tarantino has that uh, bit part in Little Nicky, and apparently he, every, I haven't seen it in yeah, so long. I haven't seen uh, it. Quentin Tarantino yeah. plays a blind, um, like end of the world person that stands oh. on the corner and screams about like. The devil is here, and they like make oh, fun perfect. of it. But he's like, Tarantino is bad. <laughs> he's hamming it up as, oh, as sure. Tarantino does. But I think That's what he does. It, he mainly mm. did it because he uh, was buds with. Um, he wanted to be buds with Adam Sandler. Uh-huh. That's great. And there you go. That's how you do it. That's also where Paul Thomas Anderson met Adam Sandler. Was the set of <laughs> Little Mickey. And I it's think an auspicious. It's an auspicious. Film. <laughs> <laughs> it really brought everybody together. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, all that sounds great of all the great things he could do, but he's not going to do it because it didn't. Get, he didn't get nominated for this, so all we're getting is shit movies from here on out. I mean, yeah, the last. I mean, Punch Drunk Love was in two thousand four, and this is twenty nineteen. You had and in between um, there's like funny people, and then like what? There's one Spanglish. Spanglish. Oh yeah, Spanglish. Is I did the. My family did the exact same thing with Spanglish with the people that did with Uncut Gems. Was we were like, it's an Adam Sandler movie, and we watched yeah. it. We're like, it's not an Adam Sandler that movie. Happened with my sister and I. We we yeah. Spanglish, and then we're like, oh. It was like our family movie. We're like, let's watch this. And we're like, oh wait, nope. Like, click <laughs> is really James good for what it is. Oh, uh, click. I I think I cried in Click. I think, <laughs> I think at the end of what? that movie. I think yeah, that's the a fucking movie that made you cry. No, I mean, that's like a, a lot of people say that that's like <laughs> no, one no, of his no. Best I'm just talking about me specifically. Other movies where he's accused everybody of being oh. a fucking baby. No, I don't no, accuse people of being babies. I just don't cry. No, no, home. I'm not saying you Jesus. can cry. It, it, that's fine. It's just that no, I don't. Yeah, cry. this is the one. Yeah, this is the one movie you can cry at. Is fucking Yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because Sean Astin was his son. And he's dying there, but he wants to be there for his family. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah no, you I need a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> now I know how you feel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to bring up the I think the best acceptance speech, and I don't know what they did it for, but the Safdie brothers won an award for this film. movie. Award. Was it an independent mm-hmm. film? And they went up and they read. They had two different speeches that they read at the same time over the top of each other, and that is like the best acceptance speech I've ever heard because it's just perfect. It's so good. <laughs> uh, one other thing about this movie that I want to bring up that is confusing to me, but the, um, I think they got some some pushback, some backlash to the soundtrack in this movie mm. because in the in the him uh, his monologue with Kevin Garnett that this is how I win scene. Yeah. Uh, that is 100% the drums from Akira. Yes. And oh. it's not like there is no reference to them saying, you know, 
that they used it fairly or anything like that and somebody Mm. like called it out on twitter and they've been called out a couple times and there's been no word about it and even and so but like there's no denying you go listen to the two that they are sampling the drums from akira oh but then this goes back to what tj said about it, the soundtrack just sometimes not fitting like it's playing just synth synth going off when he is synth jazz synth jazz when he's hiding in the closet watching his girlfriend it's just like going synth and i'm like what what <laughs> that does not fit oh, what's like happening that. right now and that part was so creepy by the way <laughs> Well, because again, he thought he was being like super cool, sexy, right. daddy guy or whatever. So uh, hiding in the closet. The score that's going on in his. Head. I thought for sure she was going to have like another boyfriend that was going to show up at that that's time or something. That's what they were intimating. Yes, again. but yeah. uh, what a creep. <laughs> I will say that I might be a little biased about the closet uh, thing because you do that, or no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little biased about this movie because any any movie that can pull off the uh, Billy Joel, the stranger needle drop like this movie does <laughs> automatically skyrockets in my book because that song fucks and this movie knew how to use it. <laughs> well, like, I guess the in the same vein as, like, I, re- I remember, you know, like, mowing my lawn and stopping to refill or whatever and some dude who is obviously having a midlife crisis rolls by in a Thunderbird Blasting Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. You know, like, like that's that's what just what's going on in that guy's head all the time. It's just synth score. <laughs> <laughs> I like the little nod that you see uh, when Yuri quits and then when he walks by him at one point later and he actually is working for a different shop and that's just the last you see of him is that he actually did, but... Of course, Adam Sandler doesn't notice him at all, but <laughs> that little like pan over to him for a second was cool. That guy, it's another guess, loose end that gets tied up. Yeah, that guy, I guess, actually like ha- you can find his Instagram page, and yeah. apparently it's wild. Like he has he tons makes of, crazy shit. Yeah, yeah and huh. has tons of pictures with like celebrities, like fucking Kevin Garnett. Does he have? I've a... never seen the Diamond District, so like to see that part of like the and, New yeah, York oh yeah, I was the, like that's nuts because I didn't realize that existed. The Safdie brothers, yeah. their dad worked in that industry. That makes for a while. sense. Uh, so, like, okay. they knew, and they had written this script like before they did Good Time, like a long time sure. ago. But they also said uh, they knew. They went, Adam Sandler has to do this movie, and their agent kept going, "You're nobodies. You're not going to get Adam Sandler. He's not even going to read it." And they're like, then we don't want to make it. And they're like, no, we can make this movie. You just can't. It's not going to be your movie with Adam Sandler. And they're like, then we don't want to make we it. We want Sand. <laughs> yeah. We want Sand. So Get the went, Sandman. So they went and made Good Time. And mm-hmm. that played at Cannes. And apparently uh, Scorsese was there and saw it. And apparently at a festival not long after that, Sandler was there. And they were like, oh, remember those guys that have asked you to do this movie like 12 times, but we've never actually given you the script because you're not going to do these two people's movie? Well, they have a movie that's hot right now. Maybe you should go watch it. And he went and watched Good Time. And I think that's when he signed on to do Mm -hmm. Uncut Gems. But they had been trying to make it since, like, 2011. Because I don't think it was a... It wasn't a period piece all that time. Well, that's why I was going to ask, like, why did they decide to set it in the time that they did? Because of the specific game. Yeah, okay, so it was the... So that's a a, a real game, and they didn't film that separately? Well, they probably filmed extra bits, the, like, the asides and stuff, but okay. I'm sure that's, like, a real game it's like, okay. they yeah. could use. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, okay. Because, like, the bit where he's like, it's just me and The Rock... I bet that was like an aside that they <laughs> they added that, yeah, probably, they added yeah. that. Yeah. 
Interesting. But a rock also means basketball. It's a slang term. Wow. You guys know that? So maybe that no one knew that? what he was. Maybe it's real footage then, and they just put the rock. They made it fit into that's, the story. That's what sparked I, the inspiration. I don't for think the it is because film. I'm pretty sure Kevin Garnett was not their first choice. I think they offered it to um, LeBron. LeBron. <laughs> They did. So that's they why I'm saying, like, it could have been anybody. Like, it didn't have to be Kevin yeah. Garnett. So that's why I'm like, I'm why I decided to do it at that he's, time. He's very good. And I don't he think, is very good. I think yes. LeBron would have been good, but I think there's several NBA players that would not have been as good in that part, and it would yeah. just feel like a cameo. But, like, this feels more like a supporting part than a cameo. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he's very right. good. The weekend has a cameo. Kevin Garnett yes. supporting. Oh, <laughs> when he first showed, when they, like, she has the camera and she shows pictures and she's like, it's, he's going to be really big even though he's from Canada. And I was like, that's the weekend. <laughs> that's actually the weekend. <laughs> I saw in the credits that it said Abel Test Fate. I was like, fuck the weekends in this? <laughs> and he, had to, he had to wear a wig. Cause his yeah, because his like hair that. wasn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to wear a wig to make his hair look like that. That's so good. And I remember I re- there was like something going around and people were like, I was just at this thing and a film crew just filmed Adam Sandler fighting the weekend. And that was like <laughs> two years ago and people were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Amazing. I had that same thought when I was watching. I was like, he just gets to fight the weekend in this thing. Like, it kicks his ass. Great. Too. Yeah. <laughs> He does. And then he, goes, he does the future storytelling bit where he's like, "No one will know who you are. You suck. Yeah, <laughs> you'll never be famous. I know all the DJs in this town. They'll never play you." <laughs> yeah, which is exactly the kind of thing a guy who is blood got a bloody nose is yelling down the right. street as he walks. As he knows <laughs> no DJs. If Howard yeah. hadn't have died, the weekend would be a nobody. You're right. Yeah, it was because he died. This is also, and I can't think of any other examples, but specifically like sitting in the theater when a movie starts and you're like, am I in the right movie? This one kind of started uh-huh. that way where I was like, I, is this? The mine? Yeah, yeah, I was like, until they like I went into the mine, too. I was like, oh, it's because they're going to get a gem and that's how, but at first, because the guy like gets pulled out and he's got that broken leg and I was like, are we in the right theater? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Is this Blood Diamond? <laughs> Bl- yeah, Blood Diamond. Yeah, it just starts playing the play, Blood Holy Diamond. <laughs> So I, I watched this it's movie. It's just Jimon Hansu in a mech suit, just like. Let's go for it. I watched this movie with my girlfriend, and she has has been giving me some hot takes recently on. on I yes. So I surprised you haven't packed up your stuff yet, Raymond. She did not like this movie whatsoever. All right. Okay. She thought that not that it was bad. It's just. She didn't think it was competently done. One. Hmm. Two, she also thought, and she can probably hear me in the other room right now. She, <laughs> She's going to come in. I told bring her, her in here. I want to talk to her. <laughs> but uh, she also. If you're not getting laid for two weeks, in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> Dig in. Um, she pointed out something that to her was a fault, but to me seemed like a feature, which was that she could tell the people who were actors from non actors. Okay. She seemed to think that the people who were like acting in a scene who are non-actors were like stilted whereas anyone who was an actor was like too too up you know too much like too much of a, a actually like acting it out yeah, right okay a, like a caricature of a person compared to the real people and like the clash between the two doesn't like it didn't work for her okay and she's like do you hate me and it's like no, if we all agree, if we get on the same well, stuff, it wouldn't be exactly correct. I was like that's that is a yeah. That's a that's a valid point. Is it like yes, that is a pretty not an yeah. actor in the movie. You can tell. See, and from like, my perspective, I'm like that just pulls me into the movie degree. more 
because yeah. they like you I I know agree. that they are just dudes that are actually working. So that's where. But I totally well, see. What I went she's in saying. knowing that too. And yeah, right. knowing that going in, and, and that's yeah. the same thing. Like I just recently rewatched um, Fitzcarraldo, um, and um, so that's a that's a Werner Herzog, and um, and we were talking about it dear. afterwards with uh, the notion of like um, typage, um, which. A founder of that, like our pioneer in that in film, was um, um, Sergei Eisenstein, um, a Soviet filmmaker who would like use the Soviet masses for his films. Mm-hmm. So like he needed someone who would to play a bishop in his film, so he picked a gardener with a big beard that he could throw a cross around his neck, and everybody goes like, "Oh yeah, bishop." It was a silent <laughs> film, and so like Herzog kind of does the same thing in a naturalistic approach with the films that he did in in the jungle. Um, in Peru, uh, where he's hiring the Machaganga tribe mm-hmm. to to be in the film, and like the crazy drunk cook guy who brought like two prostitutes on the boat, like he was just a hired guy who insisted on bringing two prostitutes on the boat. Mm-hmm. Like th- these are the things that can happen when you go into the jungle with a, no script, right? And and then come out with a movie <laughs> like that's and that's part of again, you know, embracing that is knowing the context of the film before you go in because otherwise it does just look like a stilted performance right you know and you kind of see the same thing with like john houston directing um war films when he was in the uh, army photography mm-hmm. corps during world war ii where they basically had to like reenact the like the liberation of this tunisian village or whatever mm-hmm. and so they like went and told all the villagers like hey we're gonna roll our tanks through and shoot a bunch again or whatever but like everything's fine we're just doing it for the pictures <laughs> and so they did that and then you know he directed the soldiers to march through or whatever but he told them to stab the camera like he's like it wouldn't be natural if you just all marched naturally down the line and kept your eyes forward you're all soldiers and you're not used to being on camera so stab the camera when you walk by so it totally looks like footage of like an actual march into a town or whatever and these soldiers are just like oh yeah there's a fucking camera guy there like hey sup dick <laughs> you know like and and you know that's part of again the trying to mask that almost right but, yeah again context is important in that like i didn't fucking know those are real guys i just thought that was like really solid casting especially like the way the pawn shop guy called him bubby <laughs> oh I yeah want, i just want funny. that from someone Is really everything bad. right with you are you okay <laughs> yeah right bubby. Yeah, that's always where i'm like they had to have gotten the real guys because it was so perfect casting i was like it has to be the real dudes like there's no way <laughs> did we did we watch agiri wrath of god for the podcast when we did it the first time no, no, we didn't. Well, I don't think well, so. Second, no, I don't think we've done a single Herzog okay. for this. Well, the uh, second we get, we can get together to watch a movie again. That's gonna be my pick because I love that movie. All right, I love it. I wrote my college thesis on Herzog, so yeah, that'll that'll <laughs> yeah. be like a two-hour episode. You'll have some things to say, I'm sure. Well, you'll just read your essay to us. I think yeah. that will start. <laughs> we'll have that. <laughs> I think what we should actually do is film it and I'll just have a whiteboard and then I can really articulate Oh, yes, good, good. (laughs) Werner Herzog being part of The Mandalorian is my favorite thing to happen in the last 10 years. So good. I hope he's in season two. (laughs) I just just like, you know, them, you know, having to inform him that it was a, a, Baby Yoda was a puppet and not in fact a tiny man. (laughs) Well, and he told them because they were like, oh, the puppet is just here, but we're going to replace him with CGI. And he like pulled Jon Favreau aside and was like, if you do that, it will be a sin, not just to cinema but to humanity if you do that you will go to hell and I want to pray for your soul and like scared Jon Favreau and he was like, okay. 
<laughs> if you do this, you will succumb to cowardice, <laughs> and that is not something that I can enable in good faith, yeah. Mr. Favreau. <laughs> I would like to see the Perfect. baby is, like, my favorite thing he has ever said I'd like camera. to see the baby. So, the, the, the amount of just dumb shit he gets to say, like, give me the baby. Like, I would I like want to, to see, see the baby. baby. All that shit is so and then him talking about, like, the Empire and, like, all the Star uh, Wars stuff that he gets to say. Perfect. <laughs> well, and the whole thing is, from his perspective, he's the last one laughing because he he just bankrolled like three more films oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he had to show up for like four days of shoots like he doesn't give a fuck yeah. it was like the same thing with jack reacher he's just like all right i'm gonna go i'm going to go make my internet movie now <laughs> <laughs> i'm off to talk to elon musk <laughs> and then he did great <laughs> all right boys well we've had a rousing conversation good time yeah yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. it's a good discussion yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you guys don't have anything else to say about the movie, I think we can start wrapping things up here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah that was my pick. And uh, there might... Good point. Uh, Good job, yeah. Andy. You did great. We, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was on Netflix, and I was like, it's perfect. We can all watch it now. Yeah. Literally, the only reason I put off watching it this long was just because I knew how much of an uncomfortable time it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. it, went to, it went straight to Netflix everywhere but here. It didn't get a yes. theatrical release in other countries. Right. Uh, it mm. went straight to Netflix everywhere except for the United States, and it went theatrical here. Mm-hmm. So a lot of other countries were able to watch it like the day it came out on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one that I just threw on my list because I saw when I was pulling this up was uh, the Disaster Artist. So oh, I'll oh, be able to talk about that. That's because yeah, so, I haven't seen that. I've watched. That's, that's really good. Yeah. And that's we, an awesome we movie. might want to say here that uh, TJ, you said that your um, schedule uh, at work is moving around a little bit, so there might be a couple weeks where TJ's not here. Sometimes he will be here. Sometimes he won't. But just if we're missing him, it's not because we killed him. It it also it it, it primarily <laughs> is based on like how sturdy the bedrock of all of your relationships are, and if you can continue <laughs> to giggle like a bunch of baboons until nine thirty at night. We're, uh, we're about to uh, hit on that Sunday part. Yeah, we got we're so, we're close yeah, to exactly. Raymond and yeah, I getting kicked out. <laughs> yeah, skin of our teeth. I've I've got no skin in this game, so you know. I'd, um, but yeah, I might be popping in and out. I might have in, you know some sabbaticals in uh, here and there. But um, yeah, uh, just things are opening back up in this Corona world for better or for worse. Um, and uh, so yeah, I'm uh, just not as available as I as I once was. And um, yeah, regardless, I mean it's uh, it's all gonna be great. And I actually do kind of have a little idea of like keeping up on the list and then like recording a little side thing that um, I just record like oh, yeah. completely unrelated to whatever you guys do, and you can just throw that in yeah, there. Yeah, just, just your specific what you thought. We'll just throw it in. That'd be great. Yeah. You can even provide some commentary. I think that'd be just great. listen yeah. to you talking and just be like pausing, like. <laughs> Chime in, like TJ, you're wrong. Yeah, like, you can't say anything about it. Dick. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Well, and, and I just know in the moment I can't get any response, so it's all just going to be stream of consciousness, bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I, I like that. We can, I can tack it on at the end. And TJ stream TJ of consciousness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if you're on Twitter, you can uh, follow us. Send us a tweet at. NSA if you're on that hellscape. Yeah, NSAOT pod. Yeah, send me a send me a little tweet. Yeah, Raymond wants to talk to you guys. He's begging for some interaction. Anything on that website that's um, good at the moment? I'm mm. simping for interaction. Yeah. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs>
And if, yeah, if you want to take if you want to take that interaction even deeper, you can send us a direct email to never seen any of this pod at gmail.com. Because yeah, Raymond tell us at length what a bad person Raymond, Raymond is. wants that deeper interaction too, not no just the <laughs> surface level. He wants that deep interaction. Yeah. <laughs> you can send us a Google Doc that's three gigs big of why Raymond shouldn't have done what he just did. <laughs> oh yeah. Share it Please. I also run the email, so share it to me so I'll get to right. see yes. it. <laughs> yes. First one to see. Get off on the shame. <laughs> oh, and, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We've been out here too long. He's already filling my shoes really quick. It's really nice. <laughs> uh, and I, I had a little intro on last week's episode, but um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to mention again that uh, we all are pretty uh, on the same page that Black Lives Matter, and there's some Correct. some real shit happening in the world right now. Uh, stuff that's uh, a little above talking about movies, and so we just kind of want to do what part we can, and I'm going to keep linking those... Uh, donation links and keep giving and uh we're just gonna keep doing that until we don't need to which might be never right. so right. i just yeah. wanted to quickly shout out that uh related to that and in the movie world um the director of just mercy that came out this last year that's based on a true story with michael b jordan mm-hmm. they have made that movie for all of june free to rent mm-hmm. so that's yeah that's good and also so- netflix just put up 13th on youtube uh-huh. Yes, I've so seen a lot people of people. Very good. Yeah. yeah, especially watch 13th if you have not. It's I haven't. So. Ava DuVernay documentary. She also just put up uh, Selma's Free to Rent right now. Oh, on, did she? On oh, all okay. platforms. Cool. And, and Selma one, uh, is an incredible film. Kenzie saw that one in theaters and she loves it and I haven't seen that one. So that may. Yeah. I would say we would do it for the podcast, but I don't think they need to hear four white boys talking about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to support it, it and. <laughs> watch it, learn, see it. Yes, exactly. Experience. We, we can promote it. And yep. let it speak for itself. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but we'll just keep, uh, you know, sharing and promoting and getting the message out there because, uh, you know, <laughs> the world uh, is a different place than it was seven days ago. Yes. And it doesn't no look joke. like it's not going to continue in that trend, which is a good thing. So. Yep. And yeah, I mean, exactly like that. When this comes out, it could all be different again. It's just, it's, right. everything keeps changing. So, yeah, just mm-hmm. keep keep checking our uh, episode description, and I'll keep trying to put uh, links to websites and charities yep. and donations that are mm-hmm. that are worth everyone's time. So, and 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 recognize the love in your life. Yeah. And uh, and and I'm gonna miss you guys a lot. And uh, TJ, and we will try our hardest to keep you on there because I yeah, the thing I'm really worried about is you because of your schedule. Yeah. You you won't have anything else like any other interaction. So we will try our hardest to keep you in the podcast. And <laughs> it is all good. And we're man. getting yeah. to the point where maybe we can start uh, hanging out one on one in real person. So yeah, mm-hmm. maybe you need to come over and watch a movie sometime. So we can do that. I'd love that, yeah. guys. Yeah, be great. Thanks. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode of Never Seen Any of This. Uh, but until next week, uh, I guess we will just say bye. 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 bye.